I mean, I, I'd love to be positive and say that the industry is growing and, and there's more money for everybody. But the truth is that making money is more and more difficult. Every year is more difficult. In terms of volume, what we've seen is the, the industry shrinking. So if we compare volume three years ago and the volume now, it we're seeing, I mean, 90% of, of, of merchants are making less, less money, less volume. Welcome to Porn and Coffee, the weekly adult industry podcast, bringing you the latest from the greatest in the adult entertainment industry. Naked and caffeinated and ready to go. Here are your hosts, Jay Copita and Thomas Scab Helen. Hey everybody and welcome to Porn and Coffee. My name is Thomas Gavelin. I'm from PlugRush.com, and with me, as always, is the wonderful and talented Jay Copita from WhyNot.com. Well, thank you very much for that glowing intro, Tom. And uh, yeah, you know what? I have to say I am talented. About what? I'm not <laughs> sure. But I think we'll figure that out. We are talking to a billing company today. And you know what? Most people are not talking to billing companies. So what happened with us? Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, like we do with everything else, we like to buck the trend a little bit. So we're going to do something different. <laughs> and we're going to actually talk to a billing company, and we're going to get a lot of very useful information. We're going to be talking to Mr. Terry Arondo, uh, who is the managing director of Vendo. And, uh, you know, he's going to tell us a few things that uh, I think a lot of us really just don't think about. They are doing something uh, very strange. Not strange, it's more like common sense. But they're doing uh, dynamic billing. And that is yeah. what uh, we're going to talk a lot about, dynamic billing, how they use artificial intelligence to make me and Jay pay a different price when we go to strange services like kink.com or something like that. Exactly, yeah. And just, you know, it's artificial intelligence, not to be confused with artificial insemination. <laughs> it's kind of the same, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Maybe a little bit. I guess it depends <laughs> yeah. on the cleanup. Yeah. Well, who's paying for the cleanup? Well, that's our sponsor. Let's take a, take a moment and thank you, our one and only sponsor, ClickCash. Absolutely. Handling cleanup today and also our major sponsor for Porn and Coffee, we are supported by ClickCash.com. They are the internet's first ever adult affiliate program. Right now, ClickCash is paying our listeners up to $200 for every m- member they refer. To take advantage of this amazing payout and learn more, visit ClickCash.com slash Porn and Coffee. And that's spelled out yeah. porn and coffee. Porn and coffee in one word. And you can earn $200 by referring some, uh, some of your traffic, I will assume. Do it. Okay. Let's fill up uh, with coffee. And uh, we'll be right back after this. Established in 1996, the Why Not Forums are the longest-running business forums in the adult entertainment industry. Head over to whynot.com forums and hang out with other adult industry professionals where you can share news, talk shop, and get support, all in a professional and constructive manner. All right, we are back. Thank you very much for joining us here on this episode of Porn and Coffee. We have uh, Managing Director for Vendo, Terry Arondo, with us today. And, uh, you know, he's going to tell us about the company, his role, and uh, many other things that, you know, might not be so obvious in the world of billing. So first of all, Terry, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. How are you today? I'm, I'm very good, and uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, having the opportunity to spend some minutes with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. 
thank you. Yeah, so tell us, tell us, what uh, what is your role as managing director and how long have you been at Vendo? And just kind of give us a rundown of your day-to-day. Okay, so I joined the company eight years ago. Uh, I've been managing director of the company for the last six years. And uh, my main objective in the company is basically to support all the departments to execute on their vision of the company and achieve their goals. Vendo is a billing company, and there is a lot of them out there. But uh, how, can you please tell us what makes you guys different from the other billers? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we, we're a billing company. And uh, five years ago, uh, we realized that billing was becoming a commodity. Not only that, we also realized that nobody wanted to talk to us. Nobody wanted to talk to <laughs> billing companies. Uh, I, I, between you and me, I think that still is the case. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is you go to any trade show, and there's like 10 new billing companies that want a piece of the action in the industry. Most of them go away, but you know, you've always got like your solid ones that are going to be around for a while. So I can understand how that goes. Exactly. And this is why we're, I mean, this is why we're talking about the commodity, right? We, we perceive that the difference between billers was mainly the fee, the fee that we could offer or actually the fee that we could lower. And uh, we did not want to find ourselves competing in the market with the billing fee as the only tool to attract customers. And then we also realized that we're sitting in gigabytes of data from the customers, which at the end of the day is a mine of gold that was not really being mined. So then we put all our focus in helping our customers to, to monetize this data. And, and this is not new. So many, many industries use data to better know their customers, and uh, which is the first rule of marketing, right? Know your customer. Mm-hmm. By knowing your customer, you can segment your customer and you're able to sell your products better. And we do that by using dynamic pricing. And we're the only billing company today that uh, use dynamic pricing. The only billing company in the adult industry. Again, this is nothing new. We've got the airline companies that have been doing that for years. So airline companies use data uh, to price their tickets based on many factors. Uh, So think about the last time you were on a plane. Think about the people around you. Mm. Probably nobody paid the same amount of money uh, that you did. Right. And and we're trained to do exactly the same. So that means like uh, when I go into kink.com to see some public disgrace, which... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sometimes happens, you know. Then I will pay a different price than Jay would that is totally interested in the, in the same thing. And how, how is that based? Because I know that I am in Norway and he is in Texas. Is there a difference between how much I would pay and he would pay? So we, we have to start with the fact that everybody is different. So let me let me give you an example. Let's go back 500 years ago. And let's imagine that we're selling apples in a market and we see our customers coming in. And you will see the first customer that is very well dressed, that has his horse, that is coming from the castle. And this guy probably has a lot of money. So you're going to pick the best product, the, the product that you know is, is looking extremely good. You're going to sell the product. You're going to explain the story about that apple that was in the tree five hours ago and that you were uh, specifically thinking about this customer when you were picking it up and, and, and now you're offering that, that product to him. And you will price that product in a specific way because you know this customer. Then if you have somebody else coming uh, from the village and this person is not that well-dressed, I mean, you know he comes from time to time, he doesn't always pick the best products, the way you're going to sell your product is going to be totally different. And this is not surprising, right? This is about being an intelligent seller or a lazy seller. 
So what we want to do is be the intelligent seller in the market and help our customers by gathering the data about the end users to offer the right price for each product at any time. And how do we do that? Or can we do that online? And the, and the answer is absolutely yes. So when we have an end user connecting to our servers, we can gather an amazing amount of information about that user. We've got the IP address, which will give us the country, the city, even the neighborhood in some cases. We have the time of the day, which dramatically affects the behavior of the customer buying. So if, if you look at your conversion ratio and you look at noon, local noon time in uh, New York, and you compare your conversion ratio with midnight, you will see that the conversion ratio is absolutely different. So why would you try to sell your product in the same way at noon that at midnight or with somebody on an Apple and a PC, somebody using a high-speed connection or a low-speed connection? Okay, you have all that information. And the idea is to have a platform that will basically try to identify what is the behavior of the customer and try to sell the product so you guarantee that the conversion is higher and the lifetime value is higher. That is interesting. Yeah. Very interesting yeah. to see. And basically, you're getting the most money possible out of each particular client. Exactly. And if you know your customer, you will be able to price your product and make more money. Yeah. Hmm. And especially if you're able to get that customer to retain, I mean, that's the whole point. You don't want to, you know, there's obviously going to be a churn. But at the same time, if you're able to get a customer on for, you know, months, years even, then... Uh, Obviously, finding that sweet spot is really going to is really what's going to make the difference. Yes. So this is why we don't really focus only on the conversion ratio aspect, so on on letting the customer in your shop and buying, but also coming back by also paying subscriptions every month. So trying to find the right equation for what we call the earnings per click. So how much you can make overall, including all the lifetime value of the member for the specific traffic that you're receiving. So you guys, when you are going through all this data, this is hard to do with manpower, I think, because you need to have so much data from so many countries um, that you are now over in something that we call computer learning, aren't you? Yes, that, that is the case. So we, we started some years ago with uh, Excel spreadsheets, gathering some kilobytes of data and mm. uh, analyzing the data on a day-to-day -day basis with uh, a couple analysts. And we soon realized that we're we're getting so much data, so many results that it was becoming impossible uh, to analyze the data with humans. This is why we started to develop a platform based on artificial intelligence. And what is artificial intelligence? So everybody's talking now about artificial intelligence. And, and it's not that complex. Really, is think about a computer making decisions on behalf of humans based on rules that you have set. The rules are mathematical rules, so algorithms that are well known in the industry that Google, Amazon, that all these companies are, are using and letting a machine analyze all the data and uh, make decisions based on that data. To give you a number, we are running around 100,000 tests a day. Imagine how many analysts I would need to get this data, analyze the results on a daily basis and every day make a decision, make a change on the price on, the, on each product, on each side, based on that data. Yeah. The only way to do that is with machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else would be crazy right there. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible. But then you have, uh, of course, the, it's all the data that you are gathering on behalf of your customers, but you also pair that with data from, from other sources. 
I would imagine. Yes. So uh, we build a, a system which is agnostic to data. Let's say it that way. Basically, what the system does is it's gathering data. It's segmenting based on factors and combination of factors. So we're talking before about somebody from Germany. Then you can say, okay, somebody from Germany at 3 a.m. in the morning. Then somebody from Germany at 3 a.m. in the morning on a PC. And then you could also consider, okay, somebody in Germany, 3 a.m. in the morning, and it's raining where this person is. Yeah. Or he's living in a neighborhood where the, the income average is high or low. So basically, we have built a system that can get all this data and will try to find, looking for the demand curves, what is the sweet spot? What If we can increase the price and do not decrease the conversion ratio to make more money or or lower the price and increase much more the conversion ratio. And we don't really care if it's weather, that w- what we're looking at, if it's the neighborhood, if it's the end user being a male or a female. I mean, our system can use any information that we want. It's also true that right now we're not using all that information. So for instance, we're talking to some dating companies to be able to incorporate uh, some of their data, the data that they have about the users, to make mm-hmm. our system more intelligent. Right now, we don't have that data, but the system basically allows to to take all this data, any kind of data, and try to find if we can make more money by using in an intelligent way this data. Yeah. And also, I understand that uh, you do, as the tourists do when they are traveling around, you have the Big Mac one and you have the Bear one, right? The Bear Index and the Big Mac the Index. <laughs> yeah, that, that when, when well, we... Probably not that accurate anymore. <laughs> we, when, we, when we talk about the, the story of the company, we talk about how we started, how everything started. And we started with the question, okay, do, do we have to price the same way in every single country? thinking that country was really the criteria that that determined the behavior of a user. So if somebody in Germany, a Germany is a richer country, the product should be more expensive there. So we started with, with that Big Mac index, say, okay, we're going to check what is a Big Mac in Germany compared to Norway, compared to Spain. And, and with that, we're going to fine tune uh, the price of our products. And our customers were making a lot of money from from this approach but yeah. then we soon realized that there were many more factors within the country that were affecting more the price like time of the day like many other factors so we had to make an evolution and uh, going from the, this a b test in several countries to a, a, a really complex machine learning system based on algorithms that are using intelligent A-B tests to find the winners uh, sooner, let's say, and, and make sure that we don't lose money in the path. I got to say, I, I kind of feel sorry for you, Thomas, because you have to pay more for everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, would, you would be surprised. You would be surprised because we, we had some assumptions at the beginning and making assumptions is not good. We thought, let me take uh, Mexico to give you an example. Yeah. So Mexico, you would say, okay, Mexico. Well, let me ask you, would you price high or low in Mexico? Well, I mean, I know the answer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know the answer too, so I won't say, but, uh, you know, it's interesting what you're going to say. So Mexico, we, our assumption was, okay, it's a poor country. We're going to price low and see what happens. This is when we were using the Big Mac index. Then we realized that actually by pricing higher prices by increasing the price we were making much more money and then okay we we come up with the some some assumptions okay if you have somebody in mexico that is buying online is because he has a, a computer 
and he has the economic power to buy. And we found out that actually by increasing prices in Mexico, uh, we can make more money. But then recently, we also found that if you look at mobile devices in Mexico, you make much more money when you decrease your price, not when you increase your price. So finding this way of segmenting your customers with data really allows you to find segments where you can make more money playing with the price. And again, making assumptions and saying, well, in Norway, we're going to make more money by increasing the prices is not always true. Actually, um, in Germany, for instance, again, if you take Germany as, as an overall country, lower prices in average work better than, than higher prices. I was just wondering then, you guys are gathering so much data from everybody. And of course, the airlines are doing the same. Um, many other d- different industries are doing the same when it comes to how much I should pay for something. Mm-hmm. Will there then come a subculture where I will go back to have a Nokia 5110. I can't do any orders from that, but a, a lower <laughs> end <laughs> smartphone and a lower end computer when I do all my buying, because then I will probably have a better price than doing it with the most expensive Mac and the latest iPhone. This is a good question, and I don't have an answer today. <laughs> but but could be. I mean, if, if we find out that the device is a major aspect of the behavior of the customer, and we know that people on Apple will spend more, maybe those guys should have you know, a, a Windows-based computer to, uh, to buy on Amazon because they will get better prices. That could, yeah. that could be the case. But then, I mean, Amazon is also very intelligent. They have a lot of information about their customers. I'm sure they will be able to use many more data to find the right price. And again, the right price is not always a higher price. Sometimes it's a lower price. So you, yeah. I mean, it's, it's about that magic, finding the right spot for everybody. As a guy who sells in this industry to people all the time, you know, I mean, I try to keep things as fair as possible, but I know what's going to make a difference, you know, and also obviously I can work separate parts of a deal and uh, make other opportunities and offerings. But yeah, I mean, each, each person is really different and it really does depend on where you catch them, whether you catch them in a good mood or catch them late at night, or, you know, perhaps there might be some other extenuating circumstances going on in their life. But yeah, you got to kind of treat everything on a case-by-case basis. So that's, that's the idea. I mean, another, another easy example would be a bottle of vodka in a grocery or a bottle of vodka at night at a disco. Yep. I mean, you're going to pay $50 on one side and $500 on the other one. And the customer is willing to pay that. If the merchant can find that sweet spot, he's going to make more money. And the customer is going to be happy. You know who could really learn from this and take a page out of the Vendo playbook? No. Tell me. <laughs> Vegas prostitutes. <laughs> I bet they will. Yeah. I won't even get into that as to why. But okay. <laughs> on that note, let's move on. We uh, want to know about 2016 trends. Is the industry, in your opinion, getting bigger, smaller? What payment methods seem to be more attractive? Kind of let us know, at least in your words, where you think things are heading this year in respect to your clients. And the industry in general. Yes. Okay. So I'd love to be positive and say that the industry is growing and, and there's more money for everybody. But the truth is that making money is more and more difficult. Every year is more difficult. In terms of volume, what we've seen is the, the industry shrinking. So if we compare volume three years ago and the volume now, 90% of, of, of merchants are making less, less money, less volume, um, which is also what makes so interesting these new approaches about, okay, how can I make more money? How can I increase my profit? And it's sometimes not about just looking at your cost and seeing, okay, how can I cut cost? 
But looking at, at the other side of your profit and loss and say, okay, how can I increase my revenue? I know that the volume is what it is. I know that uh, I have to live with the tubes and, and the new business model. I know the customers are there. I know that fewer and fewer people are buying adult. And, and we're expecting that also adult will find a way to reinvent them themselves with new products like virtual reality and other products that maybe will open the door to, to other customers that are right, right now not purchasing. But it's also true that tools like dynamic pricing and artificial intelligence will dramatically help that with the business and with the customers that we have, we keep making money. You're listening to Porn and Coffee. While our hosts refill, here are a few words from our sponsors. Porn and Coffee is supported by ClickCash.com. ClickCash launched in 1996 with the single goal of helping affiliates make more money. As a loyal porn and coffee listener, ClickCash is paying you up to $200 for every new member you refer. To sign up for free, visit clickcash.com slash porn and coffee. Let's go back to Vendo and figure out, because me and Jay have had the pleasure of uh, visiting your fantastic office in mm-hmm. uh, Barcelona. And uh, I mean, you, you guys have something really great going on there with the, even the company culture. You have the Vendo Terrace going on mm-hmm. with barbecues yep. every now and then. You are more lucky than us to have a better weather, at least for me. Tell us a little bit about uh, the company culture and uh, how you guys work there. Yes, absolutely. So the company is based in Barcelona. So we have a, a very nice office here. And, and we believe that investing in, in your team is one of the main factors to guarantee the success of your company. That has been very important for us from, from day one. We wanted to invest in the culture. We were looking up around and see what other companies were doing. But we've also tried to build our own culture. Uh, let me give you some examples. So several years ago, we implemented the work from home policy. So we were under the opinion that it's not efficient to have everybody in the office at the same working hours trying to do the work all together because everybody is different. Everybody has different biorhythms. And the idea of letting people adapt their working hours to their buyings should get a positive result on their on their efficiency. So we did that. I mean, I, I can say that it has always been successful and it works for everybody because it's not the case. But for many employees, this has really worked well. So now we allow people to work from home. We uh, set weekly objectives that we track uh, twice a week. And everybody can work from home uh, if they want, saving many, many commuting hours, helping them to find the right balance between uh, family and work, uh, which is really unusual for Spain, especially. Then, of course, we had to cover a gap. So if you allow people to work from home, you lose that human interaction that you get when you're at the office. So we set an office to solve problems. Basically, we have uh, large open rooms that facilitate communication. So the environment is like you're in a bar where you can uh, meet with with your colleagues, you can talk about problems, try to solve problems. And then if you need a specific room to work, you will also be able to find that. And then as as you have seen, we have an amazing terrace. The objective of the terrace was to make parties from time to time to do the Friday's beer and the Thursday beer, which is uh, once a week to bring all our employees to the office. They can bring family in some of the events. So we build a strong team. We also do events. So we, we invite our customers, we invite our partners, we have a uh, we have a barbecue, and the idea is is that to invest in people, in training them, and in making them happier. I like that. And yeah. you mentioned also for the customers, you have the vendor conference. 
It's a little bit different conference than all of the other conferences that we go to or, or trade shows that we go to every year. So tell us a little bit about the Vendo conference and how that works. Yes. So three years ago, after being may, in many, many uh, events in the industry, we thought about uh, doing something different. So usually we went to a trade show, we're trying to sell our product, meet as much people as possible, but we were not seeing efforts from different companies being put together in solving problems. So we had the idea of inviting some of our partners, facilitating the event. So it was not really a, a vendor event. We're not trained to ven- to sell vendor, to sell our products. It, it was more about choosing some topics. And for the last uh, two uh, uh, vendor partner conference, we chose the leadership and analytics. Basically, we're facilitating meetings. We had different groups meeting and the companies had to share their experience. So we had Steven from Groovybox that went through a, re- a total uh, global reorganization of his company. And he was yeah. presenting his case about the difficulties, how he did it, what went, went well, what went wrong. And basically, the success of the, of the conference was depending on how much people was willing to share with the other team. We were a little bit concerned about that initially because, I mean, at the end of the day, there were a lot of competitors and maybe they were not really, you know, open to share secrets or problems that they had. But it was surprising, and and you saw that, uh, how open were people and... And uh, and it, I think was it was a, a global success. But you guys made it a success. It was not Vendo. We facilitated it, and the attendees really made it a success. Yeah, but you show you show that it was possible. Many people that we talk to, we we, we call each other frenemies. You know, we are friend friends yeah. and enemies. So it's always um, like, what should we share? What should we not share? But you right. guys made a, a really good um, room uh, and opportunity uh, where it didn't felt dangerous to share anything at the same time uh, we felt that we were getting things back when we were sharing so uh, i mean it's uh, of course the people that attended but you guys also set the uh, set the uh, set the rules and i think that was really important yeah it, it was about giving and receiving everything in the porn world is is about that i think <laughs> yeah i'm all about giving and receiving absolutely <laughs> But yeah, again, you know, we facilitated the environment. I mean, it started slowly, but it it came along. I mean, people felt like it was it could be extremely positive for them if they were able to to talk to other companies, to talk about the problems that they were facing, to talk about the solutions that they came up with, the problems that, you know, were blockers for them, trying to find some recommendations. I mean, we're really excited. And now when we go to trade shows, there's a lot of people that asked us about Hey, you know, what's this vendor partner conference? Can I get an invitation? And now we're trying to see, you know, how we can improve it every year to bring mm. new people to make it as useful as, as it has been so far and uh, make it that interesting for everybody. Yeah, to shift gears just a little bit here, if you don't mind. Let's learn a little bit more about the man himself, Terry, because I don't think that you're very well known in the traditional circles in the adult entertainment industry and that uh, I don't think you really go to a lot of shows you're so you know tell us tell us a little bit more about yourself Terry some kind of paint a picture of who you are because I don't think a lot of our listeners know who you are personally so uh, surprisingly I go to most of the shows <laughs> you do <laughs> we do we well actually it's normal that you haven't seen me so often because 
our usually our approach has been to have a meeting room where we were meeting oh. with our customers and That's i was spending 95 percent of the time inside a room which could be my room or the meeting room ah, and well, we're changing okay. <laughs> exactly i mean in terms of of that we're gonna be a little bit more public facing we're gonna we're gonna change a little bit also to grow our brand to make our brand more uh well-known for the industry because this is a problem we had. Uh, Vendor was not well-known. It was, okay, they were a billing company, but we don't know exactly what they do or what they don't do. So we're going to try to change that a little bit. And now going back to your question, who am I? Where do I come from? So um, I was born in France 41 years ago. I lived in France seven years and then I moved to Spain. So I lived all my life in Spain. I studied telecommunication engineer, which is a mixture between physics, maths, and, uh, and telecommunication. And mathematics have been my, my passion since I, I was a kid. What do I do outside of working hours? I have two kids, a daughter and a son, which require a lot of dedication, probably more than I can allocate so far. This is why I get sometimes complaints from my wife. Mm. <laughs> but trying to survive on, on that side. And then I, I love sports. I run my first marathon a week ago. Wow. I think you, you guys knew that. Is that because of me? Yes. So I, I started yeah. to train with Mitch two months ago. I was able to finish it in four hours, 32 minutes. I know it's not amazing, but my objective was to finish it. Was it a full marathon or a half? It, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jay. It was, <laughs> it was a full marathon. <laughs> Dude, you went 26 miles or however many kilometers. What is it, like 40 kilometers? It's 42 kilometers, 125 meters. And the last nine kilometers are painful. It's true. Yeah, they are God. painful. And you did that nice. in four and a half hours. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't think about, you know, yeah. Uh, okay. The half marathon. Sure. Yeah, that would be insulting. But funny nonetheless. <laughs> yes. So so sports are one of my patients. And uh, I mean, I'm looking with Mitch for, uh, for the next challenge. Uh, probably he'll think about an Ironman or something like that. You know, that crazy Mitch thinking about how he can improve. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> We're going to run it up soon. I just want to touch on a last question that I really have that I think is really interesting because there's many ways when you are in a company like Plug Rush, like uh, Vendo, maybe also as why not? Where you think we, if we're going to earn more money now, we need to grow. We need uh, more people out selling and we need more people working on a product. But you guys went the other way around. You were actually a couple of years ago uh, or nine years ago, you told me, uh, over 100 people. Yes, yes. So nine years ago, Vendor was uh, 125 people, and uh, we're today 35 people. How did that happen? Uh, we, we learned it in the, in the hard way. So some years ago, the approach to managing more projects, trying to develop products faster, was basically putting more people on, on the project, more people in the company. And we found ourselves that actually this, this was not really making us more efficient. Uh, having 25, uh, 125 uh, people were making things much lower in terms of making decisions, in reacting, in pivoting, in uh, changing things if something was wrong. And then we also you know, made our projections based on an exponential growth that never ended. You probably mm-hmm. see this in the, in the whiteboards when you go to MBAs 
where it grows, yeah. it grows, it grows, and it never stops growing. Well, that's not realistic. You know, at one point, <laughs> your business has a plateau, and then you have to reinvent yourself, or and it can go down. And I mean, and we've seen all all this happening, going down, going up, and gate. So our approach has dramatically changed, and um, we're really focusing automating every single task that we can automate, and and really focusing on. If we really need one more people, it's because we're lacking a knowledge or we're lacking something that a machine cannot do. If a machine can do something, the machine should do it. And, and we're going to see that in the future, I believe. So in some years, many of us will not have a job because the machine will do it much faster, much more efficient. And we have to become you know, much more knowledgeable uh, workers. It's about you know, making things more efficient and more intelligent. Well, it makes sense. It makes so much more sense. I really like that. And I think many business leaders uh, should know that, that it's uh, not always more chefs making food that helps. It's just that uh, the way you cut the, the carrots. I, I made that up now. I, I think it's. I think it sounds brilliant. But yeah. So Jay, yeah. is it time for your uh, favorite question? Yeah, you know what? I wasn't going to ask Terry this, but you know what? Considering the fact that he goes to all trade shows, I'm going to ask him now. <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> This is going to totally catch you off guard because we didn't give it to you in the prep either. So, Terry, do you have a secret industry crush that you can tell us about? Or if you want to take the safe route, give us an industry shout out, someone that uh, you feel deserves some uh, kudos. Uh, There we go. There we go. We're good. Or if you just have one person that you think at the shows that you really like, this guy. Okay. Okay. Safe route. I'm helping you here. Okay, thank you. Look, uh, a person that I really like that um, is, all, I think, is always you know there to help you is Sean Christian. Yeah, Sean Christian has, is this person that if you need something uh, and if he, if he can help you, he will be there to help you. So uh, I think he's you know one of these person that you want to have uh, close to you, and he knows the industry, he knows everybody. He's, I mean, he's been in in many companies, and I, what I really like again is is that attitude of being helpful to other people. Trying mm. to connect people, trying to be that connector in the industry. Yeah, there is so many people in this industry that uh, that loves to share and help other people. So, and Sean Christian is definitely one of them. Well, I think we're going to end it there. Thank you so much for being part of this episode of uh, Porn and Coffee. Thank you so much for joining us, Terry. Thank you. And uh, of course, for the rest of the listeners, we are ready with a new episode uh, next week. So be sure to tune in then. And in the meantime, ciao. Thank you for listening to Porn and Coffee. Be sure to check out what's brewing with us every week. Plugrush.com, a self-serve traffic network where you can buy, sell, and trade traffic. Plugrush.com, moving traffic forward.